Listen. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. My guest this evening, back again. What was the last one you were on? I'm trying to remember. Was it John Dies you, uh, at the end? You invited me for John Dies at the end. So it's been a while. It's been yes, a while. Yes, it has. Sebastian Moreno. Yo. Yo, good to be back. An all-star. Uh, we are talking this episode about Banshee Chapter from 2013. I don't know. It's all right. <laughs> I can I liked it honestly. I was genuinely surprised, you know, it uh I was genuinely surprised that there was enough interesting things for me to uh latch on to. I know that's what it was loosely based on from the end. I never I never read the short story, but I've seen the film it's based on. And uh there are surprisingly some similarities between the two. Yeah, it's definitely I don't even know if I would say based on, but certainly influenced by to the point that it uses they, a lot of a lot of its ideas. Yeah, all of the pineal gland stuff and the your receiver for yeah it the yeah, other it side. Gave me that uh, okay, this I've been there before. This I've been there before. Just you know, although I will say from beyond was better, if only because they did a lot more. Well, and another thing, and it's it's jumping ahead a bit to something towards the end of the movie, but also there's a scene where a guy describes the plot of From Beyond to another character. Like, hey, do you ever read Lovecraft? He did this story yeah, that's basically that... what we're living right now. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't remind me of the thing I'd yeah, rather be was, watching. Uh, <laughs> that was amusing that Lovecraft, that Lovecraft is real and so is the story. So it's kind of this amusing meta thing. It's like in, I don't know, you saw Eternals already, right? It's like in Eternals when they mention Batman yes. and Superman, and I'm like, wait a second, so in the MCU, Batman and Superman are comic book characters that everyone knows? That's so weird to me. Yeah, well, it's, you know, that kind of thing is always a thing in fiction where, you know, although it kind of ties into what I always thought about, uh, like if the two separate comic book universes would exist as fiction in one or the other, you know. Yeah. Um, although in this case, although in the case of uh, Banshee Chapter, it might not make sense when you think about it a lot. Yeah, it's just, it's weird to have a character in a story that's clearly heavily inspired by From Beyond to <laughs> to be like... Referencing. Yeah, like just don't reference Lovecraft like at all. Like you're doing a Lovecraftian story, it's weird to bring him up. It, it's kind of implying that Lovecraft knows the stories... But is publishing a supposed real, real quotations of Cthulhu, whatnot, as short stories. This is implying he was a scientist. Yeah, and that, that actually, they use that kind of device a lot in sort of more modern kind of Lovecraftian type stuff. Where they're like, oh no, Lovecraft was, 
yeah, Lovecraft is a real guy, but he was writing stuff that, like, he knew stuff, and he was writing true true things, you know? Like so, he was trying to warn people, maybe. Yeah, they, they, there's lots of stories that have done yeah. that kind of thing. Um, I think my number one, I have two major issues with this movie. I did enjoy it overall, but I think what keeps it from being a great movie is two things. First off, it's nothing but jump scares, which for me, and I think for a lot of people, is the laziest form of horror movie you can try for, you know? True, um, though I think the Nightmare on Elm Street remake is the worst at that. That's my, you know, standard for poor use of jump scares. Yeah, that's worse at a lot of things. And my other issue is that it can't decide if it's a found footage movie or not. Yeah, yeah, I have a problem. Yeah, that's my biggest problem, because the cinematography is weird, because First, it goes into, like, this found footage mode. You know, like, they introduce Anne. They, it's the typical setup for a found footage movie where, you know, like, oh, I knew this person, so-and-so. Anne knows somebody, a dude named James who disappeared. So did a friend of his. So, like, okay. So then there's, she does that narration introduction. And as it went on, I got seriously confused. Like, besides uh, car cam footage, it just... They drop the foot found footage angle like halfway through, and but it's handheld like it is. Yeah, it's still... and there's there's no there's no cameraman character. That's the you thing. Can't it's... Do, <laughs> you can't do this kind of thing and not have the cameraman be a character. I mean, you can shoot so, a movie handheld now... like this, but not when you started it out very much as found footage. Like, oh, I'm talking to the cam. Someone is filming me. I'm telling you what I'm about to go do. Follow me while I go do this. So and then, yeah, there definitely comes weird. a point, especially there's a scene when her and Thomas are in the car talking and the camera is, when he's talking, it goes to him and then it, it moves like it's handheld back and forth between the two of them talking as yeah. if there were a cameraman in the car with them, though clearly there is not because yeah. that character does not exist. <laughs> so it's, it's very odd. It's weird. And I, I don't get why it's like the whole time I'm thinking, could they just not afford a tripod or something you know something for the camera to stand on because this this just seems unnecessary to have it handheld throughout the whole thing like you could do that for the car but if you're doing like uh and discovering whatever's whatever foot whatever security cam footage in that house you can't just do multiple cuts while standing still yeah, or even, yeah, there's shots of her, like, running down a hallway away from something that's clearly a person running behind her because the camera's, you know, bouncing and jumping as if a cameraman is behind her running. But that's yeah. not the case because she's there by herself. So it's just an odd, odd decision to continue to shoot it as if it were a found footage movie when you've clearly abandoned that idea. Yeah, like, basically, yeah, as noticed. soon as she leaves the... She goes to visit the the shortwave radio expert guy and kind of from then on it stops being a found footage movie but they keep shooting it as if it is so it's just an odd odd, odd especially decision. since especially since they did that montage of thomas blackburn like that's also something that would be in a found footage movie exposition through like archive footage and whatnot archive quotations you know yeah, and there's a lot of that. The movie opens with real-life news clips from, like, interviews with... There's a thing with Bill Clinton when he apologized publicly to, like, hey, MKUltra was a thing. We shouldn't have done that. Sorry. And news footage... Which is a real thing. Yeah, and interviews and I'm not with... not sure that was 
I'm not sure that was a wise idea connecting the two in Lovecraft, which I don't, maybe I'm mixed on this because from what I read about MK Ultra, it was very, let's just say, very fucked up. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, should this really be connected to like the whole Lovecraft mythos? Like, should it? Well, especially I mean, when when you have you need to make up a fake chemical or something. You can't just be saying it's DMT. Because Joe Rogan won't shut up, shut the fuck up about how much DMT he does, and he's not seeing Cthulhu, so, <laughs> you know, make up some oh, other chemical. God, I wish he got kidnapped by monsters. <laughs> there are, you know, there are real people who take real DMT, and they're not seeing yeah. monsters from the other so, side of the universe, so, I don't know, I maybe would have made yeah. something up. Yeah, I'm just not sure about this, you know, because... Maybe this would have worked a lot better without bringing in MK Ultra, you know, just have it be, oh, fuck it, just do a make made up chemical or just a made up drug. Yeah, I think their base idea was we want to do something about MK Ultra, and then the From Beyond stuff got added in, and it doesn't necessarily 100% mesh. But I don't know. I mean, it's interesting enough. But yeah, when the movie starts out with. Yeah, the, the Clinton thing, and also an interview with one of the actual like guys who ran MK Ultra, who doesn't feel bad that I... he ruined people's lives. <laughs> and spite, and also cut into this, we have yeah James, who is played by Michael McMillan, who was on True Blood and Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and he, um... he kind of looks like a younger Jeffrey Combs in this. That, that a little bit. It's just me, but no, you're you not. Know. You're not totally wrong. But he's yeah. The he's missed been... opportunity for the. Uh sweater to say uh miskatonic university than atticus like if you're going on this lovecraft thing you want to say he's real just shoot for the stars go for miskatonic you know mention that sucker yeah i guess maybe they didn't want to be quite on that on the nose <laughs> right out of, right up front but yeah this james guy is being filmed by a guy named what's his name rennie um he's writing a book about the mk ultra stuff and has decided really the only way to really investigate this completely is to take this DMT himself. He's gotten a sample from his quote-unquote friends in Colorado, and so I'm going to take this, you're going to film me and see what happens, you know? And... His funeral. <laughs> yeah. And, well, but they also, right off the bat, they've added into the actual MKUltra stuff, they've added in this sort of mythology that Oh, when people, and as if everyone just knows it and it's common knowledge that, oh, when pe the people that were subjected to MKUltra would see creatures from the other side, you know, or said that they did, which isn't, you know, that's yeah. not factual as far as I know. But, but so they're standing in the house, and the rules of this thing are really nebulous as well, as far as what you should be able to see and hear if you have not taken this. Because Randy the cameraman has not, but they start hearing the number station music and it almost sounds like a like an ice cream truck maybe even playing yeah. backwards yeah, I was like... and people creepily reciting numbers and number stations are a real thing too so they've crammed that in here too so they're trying to get a bunch of different conspiracy theories and kind of putting them together in a way that doesn't necessarily work because the number stations don't really add up to anything in this movie but yeah that's just seems like random creepiness which to be fair i i do like this i do like the scene you know, because I do like the tension and just, you know, the, uh, like, the payoff. 
Well, and let me say this. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not a jump scare guy. They do nothing for me. They're always so telegraphed and they're just not, I don't know. It's been years Fair. and years since a jump scare got me, but I'm man I, enough to I admit, totally get that. I'm a man enough to admit this. The first one in here, I jumped out of my fucking skin. <laughs> it got me so me, good. I, I did the same. I did the same. Because, because it comes well out of nowhere. Like, it's not telegraphed at all. So they're yeah. hearing this music. They're hearing the counting. And they're like, what the hell? You know, it's getting closer to the house. What is that? And then all, then you kind of, the camera gets like jostled around and staticky. And you hear somebody yelling help. And then Rennie's like looking around because James has run off. And he they can't find him. So he's Googling around the house looking for him. He goes outside and sort of following. And he comes around the corner and just boom, out of nowhere, there's James. He's got like big black eyes and stuff, black shit oozing out of him and like a disjointed jaw thing with the accompanying, you know, jump yeah, scares was... always have the, the music sting, the loud, you know, it's been quiet. Now here's a loud thing to startle you. And holy shit, I almost had, I almost <laughs> had a fucking heart attack. So kudos to them for... It was actually good. Yeah, it's yeah. it's almost impossible to get me with stupid jump scares, but that one worked very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It also did put me again in mind of the movie From Beyond because it's kind of a similar setup. Victoria says something's coming and you don't see what it is. It just kind of put me in that mindset as well that, okay, yeah, this... This kind of feels familiar to me. But I'm not saying that in a bad way, just, you know, because I know the story via the movie, like, yeah, I, yeah, this is very familiar to me. Yep. Um, so then we cut to our, our main character, Anne, who was played by Katja Winter, who was on that Sleepy Hollow TV show that I, I've never seen a lick of, but I know it has a following for sure. And she's on Legends of Tomorrow I know, as well. I know friends who used to like it, but they just jumped off ship when when casting changes were made and they weren't exactly into the show anymore as it went on they just nobody talks about it anymore and she's yeah we see kind of old footage of them together in college they were they were like best friends and there was definitely there was clearly a romantic interest there that they never acted on i did read that uh Apparently, because the budget and the scheduling were tight, that they had to cut a lot of things out of the script, whether it be additional characters or just things they couldn't just they couldn't film at all. You know, changes on the fly because the uh, the filming took twenty eight days. Yeah, and the guy I forgot to write Deb's name, but the guy who wrote and directed this hasn't made a movie since, which is odd because I feel like this is a it's not this wasn't a huge movie, but it is big enough. You know, I, I think that it would, have been, it would have been a calling card to get more work, you know, but it's just, he hasn't made a movie since. That's weird. Yeah. I guess, uh, I guess once was enough for him. Yeah. Maybe then they came and got him from the other side, but she's, yeah, her friend has disappeared. Yeah. There seems to be kind of an unrequited, well, there's even a scene later where she's talking to herself in the camera that's in the car and it's kind of like, yeah, like, I don't know, like. Was I in love with him? I don't know. I guess I've never asked myself that. But there's also, there's a scene cut in here of them buddy-buddy in college, and they definitely sat very close to each other and were very, you know, I don't know if touchy-feely is the right word, but they were very physically like, close together. Mixed. And there's a moment where he, she kind of turns her head and he kind of goes in for a kiss and she turns her head away. Hmm. So there was something going on there. 
it's not just this guy I knew a couple, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. So, because that would bring into question why she's so dedicated <laughs> in the face of danger to yeah. all of this. But he has gone missing. The cameraman has gone missing. She's going to find out what the deal is. She goes to his house. She finds um, some stuff he had stashed away, including a videotape and letters and stuff that says, you know, that is signed your, from your friends in Colorado. So that's kind of her first clue to set her on the trail. The cameraman, Rennie, who, as far as we know, did not take the DMT when James did, uh, was kind of arrested and questioned as the main suspect in James' disappearance, but then when he was released, he vanished. And no one's seen him since, so... You know, here's my question. Shouldn't the cops have looked at the tape to know he's telling the truth? Or, like, he filmed it. They should know he filmed it when they arrested him. Or did that tape mysteriously disappear or something? Yeah, I'm assuming he hid it away somewhere. Because, yeah, if the police had seen that tape in which that has the jump scare at the end of it, they would have been like, oh, you guys are pranking us. Where is he? You know, <laughs> like they wouldn't believe that that actually happened. So, yeah, so kind of her next stop is to see this kind of expert in shortwave radio broadcast. He plays for her and kind of explains the number stations idea, which people may know. They used it in Lost, too, as well, the TV show, if I remember correctly. But it's, and that's a, it's a real-life thing. We're just over shortwave. There's these weird stations that play weird music and have people oh. just counting random numbers, and no one knows what the hell they're about. So, of course, there's tons of conspiracy theories. That, I was wondering if that was real or not. I believe, having done zero research, <laughs> I believe that is a thing that I've heard about well before this movie. It's a good thing her boss had this book, because her boss at the... Because she's an investigative journalist for somethingjournal.com so she works for a website but her boss at the office she's trying to explain sort of like this is what i'm doing this is what i'm going to be writing about this is why i'll be gone all i have to go on is this thing that says our friends in colorado and she's like oh you don't know what that is and she goes into her office and gets a book that she just luckily happened to have on her shelf i guess it was a popular enough book but like in her not at home in her office which is weird but it's a book by this and it's clearly like a hunter s thompson analog yeah the, i i wrote in my notes that it's hunter s thompson like this is it's like what happens if you do put hunter s thompson in a lovecraft story or or better yet what if you put him in um let's see what other horror could i use as an example um like say you put hunter s thompson in hellraiser so that's what this feels like or raul duke in hellraiser like this is what this feels like to me. Like, he somehow, Thomas Blackburn is somehow out of place, yet he kind of fits this story. He fits this film somehow, you know? Yeah, it's clearly supposed to be Hunter S. Thompson, and they just couldn't use the real name or anything. But you see footage of very Hunter S. Thompson-esque escapades that he's been up to, like tying a reporter to a chair and kicking him into the swimming pool, or going to a senator's election party or whatever and dosing everyone with lsd so and he's gotten arrested yeah, a bunch of times he's shooting guns off yeah, on his roof and so but yeah she has this book and it's i guess it's how he always he has a book called friends in colorado and he always signed off letters and things as your friend in colorado so that she's like oh okay that's i'm glad you not, randomly had this not book thinking for a moment that that kind of thing would sound suspicious because 
what if nobody read the book would find that suspicious, like signed your friends in Colorado? Someone would find that just weird. Like someone would say, this is the start of a horror movie, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose the idea is that it's a popular enough and well-known enough book that, that, I don't know, she hadn't heard of it, but her boss had and had a copy. I don't know, it would kind of be like if you signed off something with, you know, from where the Buffalo Rome, and some people are going to get that that's a Hunter S. Thompson reference and some won't, so I don't know. I don't know, I guess I'm just thinking like, uh, you know, just thinking, you know, because I watch a lot of horror movies and I kind of see these things. For sure. But she's, uh, yeah, so she's out. She's on her way, I guess, to Nevada where he lives because he's kind of her only clue at this point. And she stops out in yeah, the especially desert. Especially since uh, a brief, unpleasant phone call she had with the guy. Yeah, she did call him and say she's a reporter. And he was like, oh, have you read my new book? She's like, no, what's it called? And he goes, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty good, but he and, and this guy Thomas Blackburn is played by Ted Levine. He was in. Uh, who was Buffalo Bill? He was in uh, most famously in yes. Silence of the Lambs. He was also in the Hills of Ice remake as one of the film's earliest victims. Yeah, so he's he's, uh, he's in a bunch of stuff, but he'll always yeah, be bu- he'll always be Buffalo Bill to me. Like every time I saw him, I was yeah. <laughs> expecting him to tuck it back and do a little dance for me. But she's <laughs> she's driving through the desert on her way to find him she stops i don't know why just in the dead of night she pulls over and is talking to the camera and kind of explaining why it's so important that she find james and the shortwave radio that she i guess got from that expert about it that she's carrying around in her car starts playing the the number station and the creepy music and so she's like oh shit what's going on gets out of her car in the dead of night in the middle of the desert no thank you what are you doing and goes wandering through the desert with a flashlight to see what's going on. <laughs> no, you drive. You get back in your car. You don't even get out of your car. You just drive as fast as you can. Turn that radio off so you don't hear that shit and drive. And she sees someone. There is someone yeah. mysteriously out. We don't get a good look at who it is, but her flashlight pans across a, per- a person for sure standing out in the middle of the desert for no reason. And she screams and runs back to her car and drives off like she should have done in the first place. And that's another one of their kind of jump scares there, which is... All this movie has going for it scare wise but but again i don't i don't understand the rules of this because according to the mythology of the movie you don't hear this shit unless you took the dmt took right the and she hasn't yeah. taken it yet so it all it both plays randomly on shortwave radios for real and then also you hear it when you've taken the dmt i guess whether you're near a radio or not uh-huh. it's very unclear <laughs> Yeah, I got nothing. I, I got nothing. This, admittedly, that's a, a additional problem I have because you know she didn't take it. Then, especially given um, way into the film where it's uh, well, not to uh, jump ahead, but spoiler alert, if yeah. if I may. Sure. She never took the drug, so as far as she knows. So kind of just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and there'll be more of that. I mean, I a, like, I don't know, maybe because she knew James, that's why she's hearing it. I don't know. I'm seriously reaching, you know. Well, I'm, or I'm seriously be, reaching because, I, and this is jumping ahead, spoiler alert too, but I mean, we're going to get there eventually anyway, so whatever. If you haven't watched the movie yet, go do that. 
The person that she saw in the desert presumably is James, who is following her around. Or whatever is yeah. wearing James's skin like a suit. <laughs> so maybe the, her proximity to him, he's sending that signal to the shortwave because he's a receiver or whatever. Which I question how, I mean, yeah. she's been driving through the desert. He is on foot. So how he's keeping up with her, I can't imagine. But I guess that's more... Super speed? Creepy magic. Who knows? We see a couple times, this is the first time, but a couple times during the movie, we, we cut away from Anne and our other characters to see sort of test footage from... I mean, pretend test footage from the MK Ultra experiments yeah. and stuff. They've got a guy strapped in a chair. They're injecting him with this, yeah, sort of the early form of DMT, which they are getting. We also see footage of them extracting it from a lady's brain. Like, there's a dead lady, and they cut her skull open, and they're extracting it because they're getting it from the pineal gland from corpses, yeah. fresh corpses. So that's their primary source. So Annie arrives in wherever... Or just Anne, not Annie, I guess. Uh, arrives in wherever Nevada, yeah. finds the bar that Thomas Blackburn frequents, approaches him with a fake name. She's the reporter who emailed him, and basically smooth talks her way into an invite to his house. And he's yeah. Ted, Ted Levine is doing a, what I think is a very good Hunter S. Thompson impression. As far as like the way that he talks, the voice, the intonation of just the speech pattern, you know, like he sounds like Hunter S. Thompson most of the time, and it's a pretty good job. I can only assume that he did much research he could, given the tight scheduling, or at least maybe he was already a fan of his work. And it's a more it's a more sort of level-headed and realistic approach to Hunter S. Yeah. Thompson than, say, Johnny Depp's <laughs> was, which was a little exaggerated and over the top you know yeah so yeah so she gets invited back to his house where he's he says he's gonna have some friends over and they're gonna be experimenting with stuff and having a good time so come on by which she does by friends he really just means one person there's this cali girl there who's sort of not his girlfriend but i guess the girl of the day but she I'm is guessing uh they forgot to edit that part out you know should have said friend not plural or he was expecting more people and nobody came because he's kind of an over-the-hill, you know, he's not as big a shit as he used to be, you know. Okay, that also sounds likely. Or he's just bragging, you know, he's talking himself up to make it sound better than it's going to be. Because he, he's, we'll come to find out he's on to her immediately. He knows she's lying to him. So maybe he's sort of yeah. setting a trap for her. But, but yeah, there's just the one yeah, girl, sure. Callie, who is a chemist, and she has gotten from their friends in Colorado has gotten samples and she's synthesized whatever and she's made. So she's got some of this stuff, the same stuff that James took and she takes it. Thomas Blackburn takes it and pretends to take it, but she wants to keep a level head and she doesn't want to you know. So she doesn't, but then finds out that he kind of takes her aside and he's basically tells her like, I know you're lying. I know you're not who you say you are. I know your real name. And I know you think you didn't, take the DMT, but I put it in the whiskey that I just gave you, so you have. So get ready for <laughs> to take a ride with us. And so she's kind of freaking out, obviously, because she just got dosed against her will, kind of. She does give him a well-deserved punch later on for that. Yeah. Then Callie's off in a room by herself, and she starts freaking out. She starts having a freak out. She's seeing people outside. She's saying, you know, I can hear it. It can see me. It's coming. Oh, it's right at the back door. And Anne's the only one who's really 
seeing or hearing it, this Thomas is fucked off somewhere else in the house doing his own thing, then the number station music and the number station counting starts, and they can both hear it. Callie can hear it, and so can Anne, which in the moment makes sense because we think, oh, she's taking it too because he dosed her with it. But we find out later on it was a double, double, double cross because he didn't really give it to her. So why is she hearing this music the same way Callie is? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, and Callie's like, it wants to wear us, and it's at the back door. So Anne goes downstairs to see what she's talking about, and probably to find Thomas as well. There's another bit of a jump scare where she looks out the window, there's nothing there, she looks again, and there's something out there. There's some sort of shape, you know. And it smashes the window, so she runs back upstairs, with well, and Thomas Blackburn comes in at this point too, and is like, what the fuck is going on? Why are you guys screaming? And then we have our next big jump scare, which did not have the same effect on me as the first one because that's the thing when you go into it you don't know it's a jump scare movie so that first one has the potential to get you because you didn't you weren't expecting it but once you know oh it's that kind of movie you're expecting everyone after that you know because the lights go out the music is still playing they're like oh shit what's going on and they turn around the flashlight and Callie's there with the with the black eyes and the goop and she's like vomiting out and preposterous amount of blood <laughs> like it's actually kind of a good effect because it's not like Oh, the actress had a mouthful of stuff and she just drooled it out. Like, it's a lot that's coming out to yeah. where I'm not quite sure how they did it, but it's pretty, I mean, it's all right. Admittedly, that one got me too. That one got you too? That's probably the next yeah. closest one that could have, it didn't, but it could have. Like, I could see how, like, oh, if I wasn't ready, that would have got me. Because that one was pretty sudden too, but it's also pretty telegraphed. But if it works, it works, you know. That's true. But yeah, we have that. That jump scare happens, and then we cut to them waking up on the floor. Well, I think we cut to more test footage of the extracting the pineal brain or whatever. And when we come back, it's just it's kind of repetitive that way. Yeah, Thomas and Anne have just are waking up on the floor. Callie is gone and missing. So Callie didn't attack them or something, but something made them knock them out or made them pass out because now they wake up, they can't find Callie or her body or anything, and Thomas is does not put any effort into looking for her because they're like, we're getting the fuck out of here. Get in the car. Let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> Callie wasn't too special so to him, I guess. caring about his supposed friend. Yeah. And here's where we yeah. So they drive off, and then the next time we see them, they've, they have pulled over to have a conversation. Why you had to pull over to have a conversation, I don't know. And what's extra weird is, and it's set up this way just so the camera can do what it needs to do, she has moved because she was driving, She's now sitting in the front passenger seat talking to him who's in the back seat. Why are you in the passenger seat? You stopped to have a conversation. Why did you change seats? But it's just so that the cameraman can pan back and forth between them easily. Which shouldn't be happening anyway because there's no cameraman there. <laughs> I mean, this is where it becomes very blatant that like, oh shots. shit, why is it shot like this? And yeah, I really don't understand why she has moved over to the passenger seat. But And then, oh, then we have the next sort of jump scare she looks in the rearview mirror and thomas is having a a bad time too because blood's blood goop and blood is coming out of his eyes and he's uh, you know got the hollow mouth so he's yeah. he's shaking and having like a he's having an episode so she's oh shit and she dumps back behind the driver not kicks him out of the car just <laughs> with him in the back seat you know, potentially turning I into a monster why not she just drives I off i wonder why not just kick him out or just yeah, I wouldn't want to be driving with that in the back seat. That's for sure. If he's about to turn into something yes. terrible, but yes. 
you know, since he drank that chemical, he could have turned into a monster. Which seems to be what happened to Callie, but but he doesn't. He kind of comes out of it and tells her, like, okay, the last place I knew Callie was was these McMansions on the edge of Reno. That's where, like, I met her. That's her house. So let's go there and we'll see if we can find whatever the next clue or whatever is as to where she got this stuff from. And he's kind of back to normal. Like, he still has blood on on his eyes that, you know, it's drying, but his eyes are back to normal. And he's, so it seems to come and go. It's not a permanent transformation. And here's where we have the, he has walkie-talkies just on him for some reason. I guess he brought him from the house, but it seems like an odd thing to grab on your way as you're running out of a house. But, yeah, so he sends, because he's not feeling well, so he sends her into this place by herself. And they're communicating over walkie-talkie, and here's where he tells her, like, you know, hey, have you ever read Lovecraft? It's weird that this is like that, you know, here's a story about a scientist who discovered the pineal gland thing, and it was making turning people into receivers for voices from the other other dimensions and stuff. Mentions, that's kind of like what we're doing right now. He mentions the tuning fork. He mentions the tuning fork that does yeah. all this. Like, that's that's kind of like the machine in the film. The, the, the Stuart Gordon film, I mean, because... Yeah, the From Beyond film, is, it's way more of like a technical kind of machine that he's built. But in the original Lovecraft story, it's just, it's the pineal gland stuff. And then also, yeah, it's like a weird tuning fork thing that he's made. And it's been a while since I read it. But it's been a while for me, but because I watched it multiple times, there are certain details I still remember. Sure. Like the warm things that you know, we're flying around yeah, and, we they, and they bit Jeffrey Combs. We don't get any of those in here, that's for sure. Um, or eels. Eels. They look more like eels. My mistake. So they, yeah. they had no arms anyway. So They arrive at this housing development, which seems to be completely abandoned. Callie's house for sure is abandoned. Or it's like they would stop in the middle of building them or something. And she goes in there. Nobody's around. There's no furniture. There's nothing. But she does find a basement door, which has... There's a severe lack of security for what it's supposed to be because yeah. she just opens the door to the basement like it's no problem goes downstairs turns the lights there's computers everywhere equipment she finds parts of human brains that so Callie was making this stuff herself apparently or trying to figure out how to make it there's formulas written on the I chalkboard I that she random dead bodies Callie found who knows or, or <laughs> some cadavers for all we know yeah, we never find out if she's. We never find out if she's working for the people who ran MK Ultra, who were behind this, or if she's doing this on her own, or uh, we don't know. But and again, yeah. here's I don't understand the. You have a secret lab under your abandoned house, and you don't have a password lock on your laptop. And his hand just walks over to this laptop, and boop, turns it on, and is watching everything that's on. Callie's laptop with no, she didn't have, you know, didn't need a password or anything. So, I don't know. I feel yeah, like she didn't think that too far. Lazy, ahead. a little lazy. So she sees some more videos and stuff. She hears a recording of one of the number stations, and it dawns on her that the numbers aren't random numbers. What they are saying, because she looks over at the chalkboard at the same time, and it's reading off the numbers that are on the chalkboard. And what's on the chalkboard is the formula, the chemical formula for this for dmt or at least this the movie's version of it and then she makes a very what i felt was a huge leap in logic where she's like oh shit that's a formula we didn't create that the things from the other side created the formula and they've been transmitting it to us when you take it it makes you a receiver for the transmissions where did you get that from uh, like she gets there on her I own guess. 
instantly. I'm like, that's a leap. I'm guessing she was just too accepting of that given everything else. <laughs> I guess. And then on the laptop, she finds or she accesses the security cameras in this house. And she sees on the camera upstairs some sort of figure come out of the shadows. It's like, it's a definitely, it's like a person, but it has like real long, like tentacly fingers. And you just see it for a second. I know that less is more, you know, and sometimes you see something too much and then it stops being scary because yeah. you've, you know, but I could have used a little more of these. I, I always refer to them in my notes as finger man. <laughs> like, cause you see it a couple times during the movie and it's just quick flashes. And I would have liked a better look at this thing, but maybe that's just me. Ditto. But I'm sure that's a budgetary thing as well. Um, and then she switches she switches to the camera that's in the basement with her and sees video of Callie coming down the stairs that she just came down and then hiding behind the staircase. And she realizes that it was eight minutes ago. So it was right before she got here. So she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Callie's in the basement with me. At least she makes the uh, conscious decision to actually get the hell out of there now. Yeah, she takes her time, though. She should be running, but she doesn't. Sure. She takes she takes her sweet time for suspense reasons, walking up to the stairs. She's calling out to Callie like, you know, hey, are you here? No answer, nothing. So she's making her way up the stairs, and then an arm comes out through the stairs and tries to grab her, and she runs and gets away. She's kind of been talking with Blackburn out in the car over the one he talks this whole time. He has a good line of, like, it's cold out here. It's two. It's like 3.30 in the morning, and my eyes are bleeding. Can we go? <laughs> <laughs> And so she gets back out of the car and is like, shit, we got to go. Well, she also, while she was in the basement, she found a map that Callie had that shows where Chamber 5 is, whatever that is. So that's their next. This is really kind of a procedural mystery where each place they go, she gets a new clue to go to the next place. It's a little sloppy and a little rushed, but eh, entertaining enough, I suppose. But on their way, it definitely has its moments. On their way there... Um, they stopped to pee or whatever, and he admits to her that, like, I lied to you. I didn't really doubt you with this stuff. You're fine. Like, whatever's happening to me and whatever happened to Callie is not going to happen to you because I didn't actually give you the stuff. I was just messing with you, which is good news, you know? <laughs> I mean, she's not happy about it. Or she's not happy about being lied to, but she's, you know, presumably happy about not yeah. turning into a monster. Yeah, we got through this fast because, yeah, there really isn't much... Like I said, plot-wise, there's not much to it. It's go here, talk to this person, go here, talk to this person... Jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. It's pretty lean. It's just very straightforward. Yeah. Um, but they get to Chamber 5, which is, I guess, it, it looks like a fallout shelter from outside. She sees broadcasting towers and stuff outside of it. She's like, oh, this is where the number station broadcast is coming from. And, again, no security. I understand that this is, a, is an abandoned military project, but there has, there should be at least a fence around this place or something. One guard who stays up in a tower, but the fact that anybody well, guess, can just, uh, I know it's not easy to find. I guess everyone stopped giving a fuck. But if you stumble upon it, yeah, but they have a live specimen in the basement. <laughs> like, stuff is still happening here, and it's, they just, I mean, the scientists presumably abandoned it in terror because bad shit was happening. But you have to let somebody know, hey, we need to, like, put this place in lockdown and hide it or blow it off the face of the earth or something so that nobody stumbles across this thing. Because they just walk right in then like it's were, nothing. <laughs> There's nothing that impedes them. Then they were them. all morons. They were just all morons to abandon that thing because that thing could have gone loose. Could have yeah. gone loose and just roam about the world. 
Because Anne and Blackburn just walk up and just open the door. It's not even locked. They just <laughs> waltz right into this top secret military location that didn't even have a fence or a gate around it. So that's weird to me. Yeah, there's, they walk around a little while. They've brought gasoline cans with them because the plan is like, whatever we find, we're burning it. We're, you know, we're scorching the earth behind us when we leave because it's probably nothing good when we're going to find. Just blow it up. That's right. Nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. But they find a tank, like a, almost like an, not an iron lung, but like, yeah, kind of like an iron lung, a tank yeah. that the broadcast equipment is hooked up to. So whatever's in this tank is what is sending out that the signal, the number station signal with the music and stuff. She looks through the little porthole, and there's definitely someone or something inside. It looks like a person, but it's got the big black eyes. And she's like, oh, shit, there's something in there. And she looks back, and Thomas is starting to have his freak out again. They're hearing the music, so he's no help. So she runs back down the hall to get the gas cans. We get another couple looks at Finger Man, who's working his way slowly down the hallway towards them. So she runs back. Thomas, not willing to be taken over again or go through again, whatever, or to become something else, shoots himself in the head, which, you know, all right, I guess. Yeah. You know, makes sense. You don't want to turn into some ungodly thing, but... You know, throughout that whole chase scene, you do hear... Uh, please come back, please come back, you know, to being set to Anne just from a distance. Yeah, it's coming through the broadcast equipment. Whatever's in the tank that saw her and she saw it is like, no, please, like, please come back, let me out. You know, so it, presumably it's what used to be a person in there who's been in this tank alone for God knows how long. Yeah. But, you know, you can't take the chance that it's nice. <laughs> so she, yeah, yeah. with the, uh, with Blackburn dead and the, the finger man creature or whatever sort of trying to knock the door down she let's just call him uh i can't believe it's not slender man <laughs> yeah but he's got yeah but we do see like he's got yeah he's got like long tentacly kind of fingers and the head is kind of misshapen from what we can see yeah there's a bunch more jump scares in here blah 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 but she winds up yeah she lights up this gas can and torches the place the tank blows up and she kind of... I just kind of assumed that they w she would just blow up the whole base, maybe. Although, maybe they just couldn't do that because of budgets. Just okay. so just blow up the tank, just that. Yeah, and it appears... I mean, I guess we don't see them explore the entire place, but it, this seems to be the only room with anything really in it. I mean, the place is pretty empty, so presumably she got it all. But, yeah, so she torches it. She either comes to or, or whatever kind of in the hallway she's escaped the fire and she finds where the finger man creature that was coming towards her was is the very recognizable outfit that james was wearing in the video from when he disappeared his atticus university shirt is laying on the floor as if he evaporated <laughs> which i found a little strange too like he was the wicked witch of the west and he just melted and left his clothes but his clothes are like laid out in the human, like they're not crumpled in a pile. It's as if he lay down on the ground and then got raptured, and just his clothes are left behind <laughs> in his shape on the floor. But yeah. but they're a little scorched and burned from the fire or whatever. But she's like, oh shit, that's that's who's been following me this whole time. It was James, yeah, or whatever was you know wearing a James suit. Whether it was trying to help me or get me, it, well, I'll never know. I guess, yeah. and neither will we. So she leaves the base. Next thing we see, she's at a police station. 
again, well, we hear sirens for a second, so you wonder if police are showing up to arrest her for trespassing, but we never see any of that. We just see her at the police station, so I don't know if she went in herself to up, report this. Like she just walked up there, willingly. No cops around. But she's clearly been detained or something because her boss has to come and like bail her out or whatever. Her boss from the website comes to talk to her and was like, hey, you know, I had the video guys go through the rest of your that tape you gave me and there was more footage at the end that you didn't see. And she's like, oh, well, what was it? And then the number station music starts playing through the sort of the intercom in the room. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. And they have a discussion about, like, are you sure he didn't dose you with that stuff? She's like, I don't know. He said he didn't. And I, you know, I felt okay. But I guess you never really know. And then the music starts playing. And we get our last jump scare because she turns around. And her boss is all, it almost looks like the the closet girl from the ring. Like her face is kind of twisted, like her jaws kind of twisted over. Yeah. She's got the black eyes and the black mouth and the goop coming down. And her face is all gray. But why, though? Like, I understand you had to have, like, one last scare or it's not over yet moment at the end of the movie, but how did how did her boss get affected by this? Did her boss take the stuff or just hearing the music? Why is she hearing it? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't really come together for me. I, I got nothing. But, yeah, and then we get the last thing we see as the credits are rolling is presumably what was the rest of that videotape that she never got to see, which is another... MK more MK Ultra footage from back in the day that shows that the guy that they were experimenting on, who we saw earlier, his dun, dun, real name dun. is Rennie whatever. So the cameraman who we thought was just an innocent dude was one of the original MK Ultra guys, and he's I guess running around perpetuating this and keeping it going. He's you know probably talked James into this subtly or helped or something. Who knows. But, so he's kind of been the secret behind-the-scenes villain the whole time, I guess. <laughs> Again, as far as I don't get it. I, the I got rules, there for a moment. what the rules are, are is very unclear. They did, say the guy, they did say the guy in that tape was Blackburn, what they were testing on, right? Oh. Because I, mean... I heard him say, I heard them say his name. Like, that was the... Like before the credits roll, that they said his name with the last with the guy they were testing in the videotape last. Okay. See, I might have misinterpreted that. I thought they were saying that Rennie, the cameraman who disappeared, but you might be right. But that makes that actually makes less sense than what I thought. (laughs) What I thought makes more because if Thomas was an MK Ultra plant the whole time. Like he was like he was like one of the original test people, the the test victims. Right. And but so, he somehow lived this whole time. I, and I don't know. I don't know. That that actually I, makes yeah. less sense to me. But you're probably right. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense in the sense that uh, you know it explains why he's so very weird and very, very violent and shouty. You know. Yeah, I suppose. But he seemed to be. But if he was. If the idea is that, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm very confused now. If the idea well, is I that, like this movie, admittedly, but it kind of makes no sense overall. Because if the idea was that, oh, he was secretly an MK Ultra guy the whole time, and he's kind of behind this, then why would he kill himself? Why would he 
have led her to the place she needed to go and helped her carry the gasoline. And, you know, he seemed pretty determined to help her destroy this thing. So, Our yeah, feelings that, towards the project, maybe. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, yeah, that's why I thought I could have sworn they said it was Randy the cameraman. Maybe it was both. I don't, me, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> see, let me double check this. Yeah, you got Wikipedia I open. Check Wikipedia. it out. <laughs> I'm I not have sure. The Wikipedia article right here. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because it's kind of the same. We end up at the same place anyway. But that's the movie. It's Banshee Chapter. Not bad. Certainly, no, I do want to say head and shoulders above a say, lot of the movies I watch on here. True. I do want to say. I'm still surprised Zachary Quinto produced this. Like, uh, that was out of nowhere. Oh, I didn't even notice that either. Didn't have time to be in it, though, I guess. Maybe he thought oh, it would be but, too familiar a face. Yeah. As uh, for me, um, I do like it, but it has a lot of problems that I think, you know, either needed another go on the draft or just at least maybe have a slightly bigger budget to do the things that they wanted to do, I guess. Or a combo of both. Like, I think maybe... Like, if you gave this to somebody like, uh, to give an example, say you gave this to David Bruckner, he could, you know, I think he could make this thing work better than it than it does. Well, and no, I mean, you know, for me, no no skin off the guy, is, his name is Blair or something, or something Blair, I should have wrote it down, but Blair, um, exactly. the guy who did make it, you know, no no skin off him, he did, you know, it's his first movie, yeah. I mean, he hasn't oh, made more sense, so we can't really judge... I agree. Don't get me wrong. I don't. This is not a knock against the guy. I, I promise it's not. Just, you know, uh, I think Evie had more time and budgets, and again, another rewrite. Just, you know, he could have done well, but, but to his credit, he tried. He really did, and I, I had to give him a whole lot of credit for it. Like making movies is not easy. No. It's not. Never yeah, is. it's definitely for me. It's definitely inter- it was entertaining enough. Probably not yeah. something I would watch a bunch more times, but yeah, I think it's. I'd say I think it's, it's at least it's, worth the curious watch. Yeah, it's worth a watch. I think it's okay, but the, there definitely are things that keep it from being a great movie, which is un, the unclarity of <laughs> of what the yeah. sort of the rules of mythology are, the found footage switcheroo, which is still a very strange decision, and then yeah, that 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 I still. That I still think is a huge problem and really should have been thought out better. And the fact that it's really it's it, its engine is very much just jump scares, which is not good yeah. enough for me most times. But yeah, I don't know. Honestly, worth a watch. Honestly, anyway. I, though from beyond is better, no question. Yeah, movie, definitely. I mean. Yeah, definitely a very different version of this kind of uh, tale. It's Stuart uh, Gordon. It's Stuart Gordon. You can't go wrong with him. Of course. It is that time of the episode when I press the magic button to find out what next week's movie will be, chosen completely at random from everything streaming. Pressing the magic button now. Bill Morality. Turn, turn, turn. Next week's movie is What If. Not the uh, not the Marvel cartoon. Uh, <laughs> from 2013, starring... Okay, it's a rom-com starring Daniel Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan. Mm. And Adam Driver weird i've never heard of this yeah what if okay i guess if you're outside of the united states the movie is not called what if it's called the f word as in like friends because it's a it's like it looks like it's kind of like a when harry met sally kind of 
can a man and woman just be friends or do they have to sleep together blah 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 but yeah it's got harry potter Wait, and zoe kazan so. and adam driver so yeah what if it is on oh i should tell you it's on prime video and that is it that's the only place it's at at least here who knows but yeah it looks like in canada and england and other places places it's called the f word so maybe look for that if you live outside the united mm. states but here it's called what if from 2013 on amazon prime uh and that's my movie so, for next week amazing cast i gotta say yeah it looks like a real good cast so who knows it's a good enough cast that i'm surprised that i have not really heard of this let alone seen it so neither have i I'll, although the f word I'll does sound now. vaguely familiar yeah, and I'm wondering if maybe the F word was like its original title here too, and then they changed it because, who knows, the ratings board or just general worries about American audiences not being smart. <laughs> but I guess, I guess. Yeah. So what if that's next week's movie, sir? Where can people find you? Oh, I'm on Twitter. I'm SJW James Bond over there. So um, you want to follow me? Tweet at me. You know. Whichever I talk about a lot of things, random things, and um, you know, want to talk to me there? Go on ahead. And I am, uh, as always, at Heath Lambert seventy eight on Twitter. The show is at that's so random p two. The show has an email address that's so random pod at gmail dot com. I am uh, still putting together compiling uh, emails and things to do a letter mailbag episode fairly soon. So. Get in on that if you have anything to say or ask before it's too late. Artwork for the show by Joe Humphrey, who is at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter. Go look at all of his stuff. He's very cool. Go see Goth From Beyond by Stuart Gordon. Just, you know, that's really fun. Sure. That's also watch, watch From Beyond, a better version of this same kind of story. <laughs> because it is insane. I have to warn people, From Beyond is an insane film. And it's probably more gorier than Reanimator in a way. So, yeah. It's good, though. All right, well, that will do it for That's So Random this week. See everybody back here next week for What If slash the F word, I guess, depending on where you live. Uh, on behalf of myself and Sebastian, everybody have a good week. Goodbye. Excelsior.